Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, February 17th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, a lot of good stuff to get into. Let's start with Ohio State's offensive line recruiting. Um, I know you're feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about it. 2024. We won't know till the dust settles, but hearing good things about Justin Fry. Um, obviously, we like the fact that um, four-star Jordan Seaton um, has been crystal balled to the Buckeyes by the Fong, Steve Wilt Fong, and um, he is ranked as the fourth best interior offensive lineman in the country, the number 62 overall player in the country. Buckeyes already have a commitment from Ian Moore, who's ranked just ahead of him. He's ranked as the number three interior offensive lineman, number 60 overall. Um, Hopefully they'll get the Armstrong twins. Break it down for me a little bit. How are you feeling about 2024 offensive line recruiting, Jay Book? Yeah, feeling really good about the um, the way they're trending right now. And as you mentioned, um, Ian Moore already got him in the fold. I think the key to the success of the that class are the Armstrong twins. When you look at uh, Devontae, he's 6'7", your prototypical left tackle, and his twin brother, um, De- Deontay is 6'7", Devontae is 6'5 and a half, uh, almost 6'6". A lot of teams project him as a guard. So getting those two guys potentially playing right next to each other could bode really well. And then Jordan Seaton, um, as you mentioned, Steve Wilfong, Crystal Ball, him out of Washington, D.C. If they can get those four guys in there, Dave, now that opens you up to be able to go big game hunting nationally for another premier offensive tackle. The good news is you you do have some options in the state of Ohio. Michigan has a jump start on a couple of those guys right now, but there's no telling that Ohio State can potentially get back in those races if they wanted to. Uh, so I, w- I would say right now, two thumbs up the way they're trending with the 2024 class. It's critical that they land at least you know two to three offensive tackles, but the key to it, like I said, is just getting the Armstrong twins locked in. And I think like we're guilty of this. We have been a long time in the state of Ohio. It's like, oh, it's an Ohio kid. They're going to get him. Like Jackson Carmen's the one that comes to mind. I remember thinking, oh, there's all this smoke. He's going to go to Clemson. Ah, he's an Ohio kid. They'll get him. I'm kind of feeling the same way with the Armstrong twins. Maybe I shouldn't feel that way. That Oh, they're Ohio kids, St. Ed's kids. Like Buckeyes in on them early. Um, I don't want to count my chickens before they're hatched, though. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about the Armstrong twins. Though. What do you think? Well- well, when the Dean puts in a crystal ball for the Armstrong twins, that right there should make you feel pretty good. And he has an article posted up on the Buckner site where the Armstrong twins basically said that they were fans of Ohio State growing up. Their family were uh, fans of it. They took a visit down there, really enjoyed it. So I, I do think that the chances of getting them are extremely uh, is going towards Ohio State. The one name that I would definitely keep an eye on is Ben Roebuck. A lot of people believe that, Six seven guard out of Saint out of is Saint Ed's, I believe. He's um yeah, no, right, yeah. Yeah, so right now Michigan seems to be trending for him. He doesn't have an official offer from Ohio State. From what a lot of people have said, um, Ohio State's still evaluating him when he showed up to camp. They thought his footwork uh needed to be a little bit higher to where they wanted to be that his drop steps wasn't as quick. So that's a name to keep an eye on. You hate to see a premier tackle in the state of Ohio head over to Michigan, especially one that's six seven. So they do have a lot of options. If they can get those four guys that right now are at the top of their board, get them in the fold, and then boom, hey, let's go, let's go down south, let's go out west, wherever we need to go, and swing for the fences for one of those premier guys. Because if you you can feel really good if you have four solid guys already in the fold. At that point, it takes a lot of pressure off of Justin Fry 
to be able to have to go land some of those elite guys. That was a problem in the past, Dave. Like, you had a few guys in the class, but you didn't have a really solid class at the offensive line to where you can say, hey, even if we miss out on some of the premier guys, we can still look back at our class and say it's a pretty darn good offensive line haul. How about this uh, this line at St. Ed's? My gosh, they got three guys who are just juniors that are all like division high division one prospects with the the Armstrong twins and then uh, Ben Roebuck. So uh, yeah. good things going on there at St. Ed's. Be nice to be a running back or a quarterback there with those big guys blocking for you. All right, we got to get into this Notre Dame story. Um, it's just now there's going to be spinning now. That there's some spin going on, but the. For those that haven't heard, I'm sure pretty much everybody has. So Notre Dame uh, looked like they were going to hire Utah's offensive coordinator. His name is Andy Ludwig. He had a $2 million buyout, um, came to Notre Dame for a second interview. They're parading him around at the hockey game. They're actually playing Ohio State in hockey. He's there with Marcus Freeman. He's there with their athletic director. I mean, everybody's just like, okay, it's locked up, right? Done deal is what the, is what the buzz was until it wasn't. He's actually staying at Utah. Notre Dame did not want to pay the buyout. Maybe they thought they could negotiate it down was what a lot of uh, people were saying. I believe Pete Thamel reported that, that they were thinking maybe they could negotiate the, the buyout down. And Utah was like, no, no, we have a contract. Give us the $2 million or you're not, you're not getting him. So he's staying at Utah. And now Notre Dame is promoting their tight ends coach, tight ends coach, Jared Parker, to offensive coordinator. Now, maybe it'll work out. But this is just, in my opinion, a bad, embarrassing look for Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm worried. Of, I'm worried for Marcus Freeman, Dave, because he took that job uh, and he was forced to keep Tommy Reese. I don't think Tommy Reese is an elite offensive coordinator. I mean, Nick Saban <laughs> thinks differently, but there was nothing about Notre Dame's offense that said, hey, Tommy Reese is a guy that's going to scheme you up and he's going to out X and O's you. So he was forced to keep Tommy Reese. You look at this situation here. Now, the AD Jack Swarbrick has released the email because – They've caught so much heat from the alumni and fans that he released the email last night saying, wait, 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 you know, there, there's a little truth to this, but there wasn't a lot of truth to that. <laughs> uh, and then at the end, he plugs their NIL saying, hey, can you give us some donations? Because a lot of the fans were up in arms saying, why are we so cheap being Notre Dame? Like, are we all in to compete nationally or not? Um, yeah, but the fact that they were able to parade him around the hockey match after a second interview jack tried to say technically there wasn't a, uh, an official offer wink wink like okay there was nothing right. in writing you just don't take an offensive coordinator and parade him around that's like ryan day having a hot shot uh defensive coordinator parade him around the basketball game i mean i don't know if he wanted to do that but parade him around another event on campus and then turn around and say <laughs> hey there there wasn't anything <laughs> there wasn't anything that uh, uh, as far as an official offer. So it's embarrassing for Notre Dame. Like you would think at a premier program like that, instead of promoting from within, you would try to go and get someone nationally. And the, I think so. I believe one of the beat writers basically said, hey, look at all the offensive coordinators we've had over the last several years. What's the common denominator? Nobody had previous play calling experience. Um, there's nobody on the staff who was able to dial up plays when needed. So you're looking at a Notre Dame situation to where they're trying to compete on the big stage, but are they really? Are are they penny pinching to the point to where, hey, a two million buyout 
was technically some type of hold up in them getting a premier offensive coordinator. But yeah, it's funny if you if you guys got a, you know five to ten minutes, I would say venture over to the Notre Dame twenty four seven board. It is absolutely a, a complete meltdown. I mean. 400, 500 post pages of their fans just absolutely losing their mind about what's going on over there. I was going to say five or 10 minutes. Do you mean five or 10 hours? <laughs> um, now, you don't need to read every word, but man, you might need more than five or 10 minutes to really get into oh. the Freud. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you got a couple minutes to grab a coffee and venture over there to that Notre Dame board and you want some, some hilarious reading, oh my goodness, they are absolutely roasting their administration and everybody involved over there. Like usually the, the Notre Dame people, they're pom-pom waving. They're on board for everything that goes on, everything that's said. But this time, this right here was a straw that broke the camel's back when it came to their fans. Like they're calling for the AD and the president's head and everything. So I, and I say this day, this is how mad they are. The fact that the athletic director had to come out, and release a long-winded email, send it out to all of the boosters and season ticket holders saying, hey, we were we were not as cheap as you th- as you thought we were. Not quite, the- as cheap. not as quite as cheap. And by the way, at the end of the email, hey, why don't you donate some funds to us? <laughs> it's it's amazing. I mean, my gosh, and, and and you know, those fans are rightfully upset. I'll give a shameless plug. One of the things I love about 24-7 sports is just that. It's like you have a good product at Bucknuts, at least, you know. I tend to think we do. And then, but you can get on all these other boards. If something interesting is going on at USC, you can get on the USC board, you know, the Notre Dame board, you know, when something goes bad over there, the Michigan board, you know, it's fun to go over there and, and read some of that stuff. Or, you know, even, even if it's not something bad, you know, before the game, uh, you know, against Georgia, getting the Georgia fans perspective. So I love all the other boards on 24 seven sports as well to see what those fans are saying, but you're right. Notre Dame's fans, Jay book. You're so right. They have like, they're almost like the opposite of Ohio State. They're very, very, very positive. You know, Ohio State fans can kind of skew negative a little bit. Not everybody. We have a huge, huge fan base. Um, I, I hate to print, uh, paint in broad uh, brushes, but um, you're right. Usually the Notre Dame fans are very optimistic, and they're pissed off, and rightfully <laughs> so. Um, all right. We're uh, – okay. Let's get into it. Because I want to finish with some football talk, but let's get into it real quick. Another loss for Ohio State's basketball team. My gosh. It just keeps getting worse. 72 or 92 to 75 at Iowa. If you've been betting against Ohio State, you've been making good money. Um, they were seven point underdogs last night. They blew past that, lost this game by 17. Now they've lost seven straight games. They've lost what 12 out of the last 13 games. It's just it's incredible how much Chris Holtman has lost this team, Jay Book. It's hey, what's the what's the saying right now on Twitter, Dave? Fade the buckeyes if you're a gambler. If you faded Ohio State over the last two months, you've made some bank. I'm telling you, uh, right now, if you watch this Ohio State team, they've quit. They've quit on Holtman. I mean, it's five dollars to get into the next home game, Dave. I mean, they're basically giving tickets away. That upper section of the of the shot is just going to be completely empty. Um, and I'll ask you this, Dave: What is this? Probably the worst basketball team in 25 years. Yes. Yes. It is. It's the worst one in 20. It's since the Jim O'Brien. Jim O'Brien's first year was 97-98. He took over a mess. They had a terrible year. At least he took him to the Final Four the very next year, his second year. But, yeah, this is the worst since Jim O'Brien's first year at Ohio State. Yeah, and it, it can't get any worse than this. I mean, the fact that Gene Smith thought it was a great idea to give him an extension. I know Pat Murphy said the 
thought around there was other programs were, you know, sniffing around potentially wanting to go get him. But what it what had he done for other teams to cover him, like major programs? Right. I mean, it doesn't get any sweeter than the job that he has at Ohio State. You, the seat's not hot with him considering the buyout. You look at Gene, the athletic program is broke. They're having to borrow $48 million from the school, so they're not going to give him a, a massive buyout to fire him this year. So there's no pressure for him right now. It's always the, the excuse of the basketball program is wait till next year, wait till next year, wait till next year. When these recruits come in or those recruits come in, it's always something. But when you when you watch them play, Dave, I mean, the, it doesn't look fun. They don't look like they're having fun. And at the same time, they're not responding to his coaching. So until otherwise, if you're a betting person, continue to fade the Buckeyes. Vegas try to catch up with the with the line this game putting it at seven seven and a half didn't even matter they were down 27 points with eight minutes to go in that game last night against Iowa I about fell out of my chair when the line came out uh on Sunday for the Michigan State game and Ohio State was favored by three easy like, money what I'm like easy money be, that's gotta be a misprint yeah I'll yeah. never admit that I bet against the Buckeyes <laughs> I wouldn't admit that. I know you wouldn't. I know. I saw. I saw that your. I saw your three leg parlay. You had. The, hey. you, had the Buc- you had the Buckeyes coming in there that they they hit it for you. Hey. You know, hey. No sweat parlay. Money, right? Hey. No sweat parlay. I mean, they're they're like eight eight and nineteen, eight and eighteen against the spread. <laughs> Twelve out of fourteen on the money line betting against them right now. So if you've been consistent betting against Ohio State, your bankroll is looking pretty good as, as you start to head into March Madness. It sure is. All right, let's get back to some football um, before we lose all of our uh, viewers out there and listeners. All right, I think this is a fun question. So now, now we know since Brian Hartline has been here, like really only three guys play at wide receiver. I mean, some you know they might sprinkle on a fourth, but really it's three guys. So maybe this won't even matter. But let me ask you this question, sir, and hopefully they all stay healthy. Um, other than Marvin Harrison Jr., other than Emeka Egbuka, and other than Julian Fleming. Which wide receiver will have the biggest role for the Buckeyes this year? I mean, it has to be Ballard, Dave. I mean, am I crazy to think that the time is now for him? I mean, he's arguably the fastest wide receiver on the roster. I know that he came in, um, you know, a little behind the curve when it comes to his game and his route running technique and all of that. But to me, if you got a guy that's that's running up to 24 miles per hour, uh, top end speed, you got to find a way to get him on the field. It reminds me um, of Jamison Williams. You know, he there's a guy that was a home run hitter that can really pop the top off the defense. You got to find a way to get Jalen Ballard on the field. I mean, then after that, you know, you look at all of those freshmen last year, Dave, that really didn't make an impact. What are they going to do? Kayon Graves, uh, you know, Kojo, what's Kojo going to do? He was a highly regarded kid coming out of Georgia that a lot of people were high on. Can he make an impact this year? But the good news is, and I'm excited for spring ball with Julian out and the um, and Marvin pretty much been on the on the pitch count probably because there's no need to put Marvin Harrison Jr. in spring ball. We and all know Emeka's what he, out too, and Emeka's out with his surgery. Yep. The time is now to really develop that next wave of young wide receivers. You got to be able to get those guys ready to go. I do think down the stretch, Dave, there were some heavy legs when it came to the off, to the wide receivers because they rep so many. Uh, those three guys, yes, Xavier is another one. Um, they didn't rotate those wide receivers, so I think that caused a little bit of 
dead legs towards the end of the season. So you got to get that next wave of guys. If you don't get those next wave of guys, you're going to see a lot of those younger kids transferring out of there. No way they're going to sit uh, until they're juniors in order to play, especially when some of those guys can go and transfer right now and play anywhere in the country. Uh, but that's a that's a great problem to have. You never worry about the wide receiver room because Brian Hartline will always have a stack. But those those four and five star guys that are younger players that came in as freshmen last year, you got to see what you got out of those guys because the depth is critical, especially with the injury history of Julian. Um, and so I feel good about the wide receivers. I just want to see those younger guys get a little bit more tick out there. Look at Mike Schaefer stealing my thunder here. Uh, and you mentioned this a little bit too with Xavier Johnson. You know, I, I was going to say, I was going to give a very boring answer. If I had to actually bet right now, I think the guy that's going to play the most snaps, and it's kind of cheating because he's kind of like a jack of all trades. I mean, he, they may even kind of use him as a running back, but I'm going to go with Xavier Johnson's going to play even more than Jaden Ballard. We'll see. I also want to ask you about the the, the true freshman because I think Brandon Ennis, if he had enrolled early, he'd have a really, really good chance. But, um, you know, now Noah Rogers has enrolled early. Um, Carnell Tate has enrolled early, so that's good. Here's the thing, though. So since Hartline's been the wide receiver coach, we know he's offensive coordinator now too, but he's still the wide receivers coach. So it started in 2018 because um, he was at that point interim wide receiver coach till they you know took the interim tag off. And he had uh, true freshman Chris Olave. My point is they don't really play a lot of true freshmen. I'm going to get to it. True freshman Chris Olave really didn't do anything till the Michigan game. Look how great he ended up being. Now Garrett Wilson of the true freshmen played the most, um, but still didn't play a lot till the, toward the end of the year. Um, JS, I was going to say JSM played as a freshman, true freshman. They all played. So like yeah. a lot of they played and then Garrett Wilson played in 2019 and he played the most out of any of the true freshmen I'm going to bring up. Jackson Smith and Jigba played, but not very much. Now that was during the COVID year, but still they had eight games and he didn't play that much. If you remember Jackson Smith and Jigba as a true freshman did not play very much. Marvin Harrison Jr. Who might be the number one wide receiver taken in next year's draft, 2024 draft. Didn't play very much as a true freshman until the Rose Bowl. And would he have played much if, you know, Alave and Garrett Wilson were sitting out that game? I don't know. Um, Emeka Ibuka didn't play much as a true freshman. So it's interesting to me. They don't really play true freshmen very much. They didn't play any true freshman this past year, really. So yeah. Brandon Ennis is a guy, man. When I watch his film, I'm like, that is like the next Jackson Smith and Jigba right there. Put him in the slot. Let's go. But I tend to think Hartline's not going to play. I'm, this is not a knock on Brian. He's the best at what he does. I just, I'm just going by his own history. He doesn't play true freshman very much. He doesn't. Um, I, I would say Brandon's going to be behind the eight ball because he's coming in to a loaded wide receiver room late in the game. Uh, so you have Noah Rogers and, and, and Brandon Enos. Um, you know, those are the guys that a lot of people look at to say, hey, those are your, your two top guys. I look at Rogers as probably – one of the best wide receivers in, in the country, Dave. I know he doesn't get a lot of their rankings, um, you know, as far as the national rankings as like Enos has. But Noah Rogers, to me, with his body control, his size, his ability to pop the top off the defense, I just think that he is a guy that can absolutely be a primetime player. Uh, Carnell Tate's hilarious. I mean, if you if some of you guys out there see some of the clips of – the, the players after the winter workouts, it looked like Carnell Tate 
has been been through the bud saw every single mat drill and winter workouts. I mean, he is just looking depressed in the locker room because Coach Mick is putting a beat down on him. So he's a guy that I, I definitely think and has has an opportunity to get a couple reps. But you're right, you don't see a lot of the freshmen. And I don't know if you really want to have to rely on the freshmen, especially when you have 2,000-yard wide receivers coming back, right. Julian Finley. And if you're to believe Brian Hartline, he says they have three first-rounders. He said that to me on Twitter. So is he talking about Julian Fleming is a first-rounder? Because that's what he believes, like Fleming is going to be a, a first-round pick. Or is he believed that X is going to be a first-round pick? I tend to believe that he's hinting towards Julian. So if he, if he has that train of thought that he has three first-round picks, they're not going to come off the field very much, especially for true freshmen. Now, wait a minute. So Brian Hartline confided in you that he's got three first-round picks, but he didn't specify. Now, we know Marvin Harrison's one of them. Got to think of Mecca as one of them. And you got to think he's talking about Julian Fleming, right? I mean, but he didn't. But right. he didn't specify who he's talking about, or did you, did you just not ask him? No, it it was in the tweet. He responded to me. I had put up a, a tweet, you know, a couple of weeks ago that says, do, like, just asking the question of Ohio State fans: Do you think a Mecca can play himself into being a first round wide receiver? And Hartline responded to that it was like, of course, we actually have three of them three first-round wide receivers. So he was, you know, speculating. He didn't say who. A lot of people believe that it was uh, Julian Fleming oh, that yeah. he's talking about. And yeah. A lot of people were just saying, I, I love Heartline, but is Julian Fleming really a first-round wide receiver? Um, so we'll see. I mean, he if he tends to believe that, you know, who's to, who's to go against Heartline? And the point is, if he truly believes he has three first-round wide receivers there, there's no way – he's going to take NFL caliber wide receivers off the field for true freshmen. No, I mean, he's, he likes just playing three receivers and you're right. Especially if he thinks he has three first rounders. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough for these true freshmen to see the field. I just hope nobody, nobody transfers. I certainly expect a wide receiver or two will transfer after spring ball, but it won't be one of the true freshmen. It might be one or two of the guys from the uh, 2022 class. I'll say just one. I'll predict one wide receiver will transfer, not two. And it won't be to Alabama or Michigan, Sue. I just saw Sue post that. Hopefully it's not to <laughs> that team up north or Alabama or Georgia. I, I'm going to predict it won't be to any of those schools. But uh, great stuff as always from Jay Hold, Book. Thank hold you on, Dave. Much. Hold on, Dave. Everybody's asking about my sweatshirt. It's the Suns. It's, it's not a Clemson. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not Texas. That it's makes not sense. Yeah, so I'm out here in Phoenix, and the, the city's a buzz right now with Kevin Durant. So I had to go ahead and throw my son's sweatshirt on because they're going to make them a run for the championship with, with the acquisition of Kevin Durant. Now, is it title or bust? It's title or bust. It's absolutely title or bust. Yeah. I mean, you you mortgage the future away for KD. Like, you're arguing you, – it's arguably the best starting five in the NBA right now with Booker and Aiton and KD um, and so in CP3. So right now it's title or bust for them. I don't know if they're going to win it this year because it may take them some, a while to get some chemistry. But next year you're looking at it like saying, hey, uh, this should be the team to beat. And they're talking about bringing in Kevin Love off the bench as well. There's some talk about that, getting him. But it just depends on what the Cavs are looking to do. Was not expecting to talk some Suns hoops, but you're right. I mean – my my thing is if Durant and Chris Paul stay healthy, which is no sure thing. Chris Paul has a history of getting hurt in the playoffs almost every year. Um, Durant's a little banged up right now. If those two stay healthy, 
Um, I think they are going to win it because you're right. They've got Booker. They've got Aiden. They've got other pieces there. Um, so good. I'll be rooting for your sons. Good for your sons. <laughs> good for your sons. Um, all right. Great stuff from Jonah Booker and his son's outfit. It is not a Texas or a Clemson shirt. Uh, great stuff out of Jay Book. Thanks to everybody for tuning into the show. We appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Bye.